Well, good morning. Today we're going to continue our sermon series on One Life, Do Something. And uh, while we're to, you're turning in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, I want to introduce you to a couple of folks here this morning. Uh, Joe Hutchison, where's Joe? I saw Joe earlier. Joe, just stand up. Joe is a senior at Bethel College going in ministry. We're excited about Joe and, uh, and thankful for Joe. And then uh, in the middle section right here, and I, I haven't done this in a while, but I always like to do it when uh, Pastor Varney and Miss Etter are here. I would like to introduce you, because some of you do not know, but I want to introduce you to the, to the founding pastor and pastor's wives of Kirby Church, Brother J.B. Varney and Miss Etta. Would you guys stand right there? And uh, We had an opportunity oh, a couple of weeks ago to go out and just visit with them in their home in uh, the Tecumseh area. Just had a wonderful, wonderful day there as well. Well, I wanted to introduce you to one couple here this morning. They're actually going to come up on stage and just kind of share a little testimony time with you. Would you welcome Shane and Kim Holcomb uh, this morning? Now, a lot of you may know them from Pioneer Club and Tot Spot, and what I want to call your attention to this morning is that they direct our Appalachia Project, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second, but tell us just a little bit about you guys, so for those who do not know you guys, they can uh, feel like they know you a little bit. That's a good thing. She looked like she looked at Shane for permission to say that, though, that's... Yes. I'm a lifetime member of Kirby Church, changed from Buckeye Town. Amen. We have two children. Garrett is 10, Skyla and Skyla is 7, and they're a blessing to our lives every day. Great. Now, you're going to start to see some pictures scrolling behind us as we talk, and this is from the trip that they organized going to the Appalachia part region of the United States, and just tell us how this whole thing came about. I was actually watching a uh, documentary on the Appalachian Mountains, Appalachian family, and just watching it uh, one night, seeing the family driven in school buses, private trailers, campers, uh, really touched my heart. Both of our <laughs> I spoke on Wednesday night, let everyone know my ideas, and afterwards, I remember Ronnie Dell come running up, and he's like, so when are we leaving now? <laughs> so I don't know about we, but I'm leaving. <laughs> Seven of them were kids, two were ours, 
to another family in Los Cortes, and one other um, was my sister's little boy. Yeah. And without them, it wouldn't have happened. So thank you to everyone that volunteered because if you if we if you guys hadn't come together as a family and stepped behind us with this, the, the Calanovas, they're amazing. They step behind us every single thing that we do, everything in this church. They're behind us, and we couldn't have done it without each and every one of them. They were t- they were initially planning on 50 families to care for, and uh, Kim got a text the week before that said uh, now they had 150. And, uh, and it was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, what do we do? But God was so cool, and, and everybody just banded together. I mean, it was amazing how they just worked together as a, as a team, um, and it was just really an awesome experience. Maybe just share. It really got me choked up. Dean, he was the one that told me. He, Dean was in charge of the food. Poor Dean. And uh, it was bad. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. I mean, it was, and these people's minds. I've never been in that situation, but to wonder where, how you're going to feed your kids for the next day, and here you've got all this food, I would try to take as much as I could, too, and that was in their mind frame, so Dean seen them, so people were taking, like, cases of, of soup and, and stuff, so he, he tried to narrow it down, like, look, here, you know, we have bags, let's fill you up, while we need a lot of cereal, you know, and um, soup and macaroni and cheese, but towards the end of the day, and he had one gentleman come in with a seven-year-old son and I mean we had clothes scattered everywhere we had a, a room set up with like Toys R Us and Dean he's telling this gentleman about that and the guy said you know I don't care about toys I don't care about clothes he said my son all he would like is a can of peas and Dean's like okay no problem we started looking looking well couldn't find no peas so he said, I don't care if I have to go to the store and buy a case of peas. This kid's going to go with peas. So luckily at the one bag that we missed, um, unloading out of the truck, and the bottom of it was two cans of peas. And, and the man, you know, Dean gave it to the fella, and they broke down, hugged, cried, and it was just... He didn't care about the G.I. Joe. He wanted peas. <laughs> and there was, another, the, there, was a, there was a lot of instances. The one thing that I, I brought up last service was there was a family of eight. God, was a, they were blessing my heart. But the other thing I wanted to, that it really touched me was that you don't understand how hard the Kirby crew worked, okay? So you're talking 36 hours straight. We slept the first night, Shane and I, thank God my sister came and took care of the kids because we slept for three hours. And so did Dean and his family. And the people on the bus, uh, Ronnie Delk, Jane uh, Richardson, Alex Belty ran the boy room. The brekkies, it was amazing. But what touched me the most was that because we were, things didn't go off the way we had planned, okay? We got there, we were told we'd have a crew. Well, the crew ended up being two people from this little church, and I was like, <gasps> and it wasn't supposed to open until noon, and then he opened the doors at nine. So needless to say, the bags of clothes hadn't been sorted yet. And what was so amazing was that you'd come in, and people were looking through clothes, and there'd be bags underneath the, the tables that had been opened yet, and for, for instance, uh, there was a, you don't think of big and tall clothes. That's a huge thing. And you, the, there was a guy walking around, and I opened a bag, and he's like, well, there's no big and tall. And I opened the bag. It's all big and tall clothes. And Shane gets to tell that story about the, the little lady looking for the coats. Yeah, coats were a big, big item. Huge they thing. Coats and bedding. You know, you figure they're, they're meeting with, 
they're heating with uh, coal and wood, the fire goes out all night, you need the blankets and stuff. So that was a big item. But anyway, this lady had come in and uh, she's like, oh, I need to you know, close to my little girl. Well, I think all the food are out. Well, let me keep looking because we have bags tucked underneath the table. And the first bag I grabbed was filled and it was a pink and white coat with the tag still on. In her size. In her size. And the thing is, it's not just one, it's not just the story about the can of peas or the coat, but it, things like that just kept, and amazing how the Lord just keeps things like that happening just throughout the whole weekend. And it was just this incredible experience. Tell us real quick um, the dates um, this year. They are December 1st to the 4th. We're actually taking an extra day because we don't want to have to be that rushed. So Thursday through Sunday, we actually uh, leave Thursday morning probably around 9-ish. And we, give, we go to service Sunday there at the church because it's usually a really small church and they truly appreciate us being there. And the goal is for us to draw people to God through Christ and show love of Christ that people, even from Michigan, are thinking about you there. Um, we hugged down to how many people's necks and said, you know, come to church, come to church. And not one person came to church that Sunday. But you know what? God still moved in their hearts. I believe that. And I don't know how, people, how many people went after that. So just, just I mean... The, from the 1st to the 4th of December, we're, we're headed to Kentucky this time. We went to Virginia last time. We did a little uh, Mount Hope is where we went last time. And we're not exactly sure yet where we'll be in Kentucky. But I'm telling you, we left, every worker there left with more of a blessing than anybody that came and mm-hmm. was crying about their kids not having toys. Right. And so make this, put this date on your calendar. This is one of those events where you can get involved. This is a great, like, family thing. Man, if you want to teach your kids about giving and sharing and about what life goes on, because we often think poverty is in third world countries, and we know that unemployment has hit our area hard, uh, but even in our area, um, there's not the abject poverty that is in this part of the country. It's the poorest part of the United States of America, and so uh, if you're interested in going to that, Shane and Kim will be right there on the front row right after service. Uh, At least give them your name so they can put you on uh, the email list so they can give you information so you can pray about it, make a decision. This will be one of those things for family to go, right? And, uh, and that'll be great. So I hope that you plan to go. And would you like Chain and Kim know we appreciate them doing this ministry, leading this ministry for us. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome stuff. One of my favorite stories is found in Mark chapter 2 because it's about four guys who had one passion and they did something about it. Now, I'm going to use a little bit of my sanctified imagination here this morning and tell you the story about Mark chapter 2. It's verses 1 through 5. And basically, I want us to understand that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of life's major spiritual, social. I mean, Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer. It, 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 he, he, it, it all starts there. And the hope of America, the hope of the world, the hope of Kirby is preaching the Christ-centered gospel as given to us by, by God himself. So I want to take that and I just kind of want to help us to realize that you and I have to get right theology here. This story in Mark chapter 2 teaches us that we have to lose the meism. Now, I just made that word up because you guys accuse me of making words up all the time. So I thought I would just make one up today. Meism. Meism says, I don't need anybody else. 
Life is good. I'm good. I'm okay. I got it together. And if I don't have it together, I'll wear a mask that shows everybody that I've got it together. I don't need you. You don't need me. You do what you need to do. You don't bother me. I won't bother you. And I will live in this happy little world of me. That's the way a lot of you live. That's the way a lot of our country lives. America is one of the few countries in the world that, that prides itself on its individualistic bent. Most countries in the world have a very strong sense of community. America has a strong sense of individuality. And so we come by it honest in our culture about this thing of being all about me. Well, I think what you and I need to understand is that we need to be a part of something bigger. The Bible says that two are better than one, and three is even better because a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. It's the Bible is telling us that you cannot just live life all about yourself. We need to be connected to others so that others can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Then... And so that we can do for others what they can't do for ourselves. See, now most of us don't have a problem with the last two lines. Most of us had the problem with the middle two lines. Because we are arrogant and we are proud and we are boastful. We consider us to be self-made men and women. That we do not need anyone or anybody. That we will make it on our own, you know, and we will... You just leave me in the world of me. But I guarantee you there are times. By the way, I just want to help out all the single ladies in the church this morning. Guys, listen up. If you're a single guy and you enjoy living in the world of me, do the ladies that you might love and marry one day a favor. Don't marry them. Married life is not about the world of me, baby. It drops you smack square dab in the middle of the week. And most marriages fail because we should be living as we's, but we live as me's in a we's situation. That's a different sermon for next year's family series. But here's the idea. We cannot be so proud and boastful that we say, well, I don't need anybody to do anything for me. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Shane and Kim could not have done what they did and what they led last year if it hadn't been the we that came alongside of them. And aren't you glad you were part of that? And then we get the privilege of coming alongside others and doing for them what they don't want to do or what they cannot do for themselves. And so here we are. We, we live in the land or we live in the spiritual realm of opportunity and blessing. That we can have the privilege of ministering to others and being ministered to by others. And that is a reciprocal relationship that is to be honored and cherished. And you ought to be proud that you are part of the family of God where you can both minister and be ministered to. Amen? But now I'm telling you, sometimes ministering to people gets a little messy, doesn't it? It doesn't quite work out. Did you hear Kim and Shane? They kind of laughed. And, I mean, it just didn't work out like they planned. Shane just had to back of the pickup truck and just going to pass out clothes on the side of the road. That wasn't how it happened. 
See, as we partner together and do what we can do together, because we have one life, we are one church, one body, and we have the opportunity to do something impactful for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we both have the thrill and the privilege of being ministered to and ministering to others. The Bible says that true fellowship is a, is a, is an honest thing about being a part of a, of a larger whole. And I'm afraid that sometimes we get, we, we misunderstand this whole thing of fellowship. We think that fellowship is just the 15 or, or 10 or 15 minutes after church where we shake hands and we talk about the Tigers going, you know, Central Division champs on their way. Woo-hoo. Did Verlander win yesterday? Man, I know what you guys were doing yesterday. We talk about the Lions going to be 3 and 0 after today. <laughs> Michigan can win 9 in a row until they come to that last game of the season. And we'll talk about everything that's shallow, that is inconsequential, and keeps people at a distance. Because a lot of us walk around with the big N on our head. I don't know how to make it in. Jordy McCroskey does this to me all the time. But here's what it said. Nope, don't get any closer. Nope, keep your distance. No, I don't really want to share because if you really knew who I was, you may not like me. See, the fact of the matter is, and just amen, because I'm looking at y'all. Y'all are messed up. Amen? Okay, just be honest. How many of you fuss with your wife this week? Just amen. No, no. I mean, don't do it like, amen. I mean, if you did, amen. How many of you just, I mean, it it was beyond a fuss. It wasn't murder, but it was beyond the fuss. Would you amen? And, And how many of you, it wasn't murder, but boy, you wish you'd had the opportunity. Amen. Yeah. There are good moments to amen, and there are bad moments. (laughs) That was a bad moment. But we come and we put on our plastic faces. I've shocked a lot of you because I wore a tie today. Don't get used to it. I just put on a white shirt, and it just felt like a tie goes with a white shirt. I was trapped. I had to wear one. But we come to church, and we put on our plastic faces And we put on our little pretend mask that says, hey, I'm okay, and it's okay, and the world's okay, and life's okay, and inside, you're dying. Inside, you're paralyzed. Inside, you can spiritually move because you've been so hurt, diseased, or bothered. Because ministry's messy. Man, when you, when you start getting involved with people, it just doesn't work out the way that, that you thought. So look at our Bibles and look at what the Bible says to us so that we can kind of understand the importance of going from me to we. Look at the first couple of verses in Mark chapter 2. 
verses 1 and 2. And it says, several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. And news arrived and of his arrival spread quickly through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors. It was packed out. All right? Get, uh, circle, if you got the New Living Translation, circle the word packed out. If you got the NIV where King James says crowded, I mean, it is literally, you cannot put one sar- more sardine in the sardine can. You ever been packing for a trip, you know, and you got everything in it, and you've done that sit on the suitcase thing, to where, and then your wife comes in and goes, oh, I forgot, we need to throw this in. And it's the biggest sweatshirt she owns, you know? And it's just like, no way it's going to fit. This is like, there's no way one more person, not big kid, not little kid, not, not skinny kid, not overweight kid. No, there is no way anybody else is going to fit in this place. And there wasn't room for not one more person, not even outside the door. And Jesus, he preached the word to them. Isn't that great? It's just one guy with a room full of people, and he is preaching the word to them. Now, when people hear Jesus preach, the word of God is so powerful, it's so impacting, it's so life-changing that when the word is preached, things happen. I'm telling you, things happen. And so what we see is that is that when we come together, we can break through the spiritual paralysis. Now, I don't know what is beating you down. I don't know what paralysis has a hold on you. I don't know if you've been disappointed with life, your marriage, with people, with church. I don't know if you're bruised and broken by tradition, by legalism. I don't know if you're, if you're hurt because of, of, of church people. I don't know. I would say that if we would just be honest and we would take off our plastic mats and we could look into your home, we could look into your heart, we could look into your life, we could evaluate with honesty and objectivity your spiritual condition, I think we would see a lot of paralysis in the room. Something, a sin that just keeps us just trapped where we are. And and you see, the next verse tells us about one of the central players in the story. Now, Jesus is obviously the main player in the story, but verse 3 tells us about, the, about another guy or some other guys. And so some of the men came bringing to him a paralytic, carried a four by him. And so what you see is that Jesus was preaching. Here's this guy, he's paralyzed. I mean, he is literally on his bed. He cannot move. His body is withered and drawn up. He has total paralysis. He can do nothing. Man, he's paralyzed by questions. What's going to happen? What are we going to do? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to be a wife, a husband to my, to my wife? How am I going to be the provider? What, what can I do? And he, he has no strength in his limbs, no, no ability in his legs. He has no, no strength in his being to get up and go to work. Matter of fact, he has no strength in his being to hug his children or to reach out and even stroke his wife's hand with his finger. He's totally inept, totally paralyzed. There's a lot of you, man, you're struggling with the same question. What am I going to do? What's going to happen to me? I don't know how it's all going to work out. 
Bills keep coming in. Money doesn't. I wonder what's going to happen. Kids go off to college. By the way, have you ever noticed kids don't go off to a cheap college anymore? Then they want to get married. I, I mean, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? How do I, how do I do? And here's this guy. He's laying there, and he's totally paralyzed by the what's of life, by the how am I going to do it of life, about the problems and the issues of life, and he just goes, I don't know. And so what happens is these four guys, and, and, and I'm going to give two of them names, all right? We're going to give the guy who's paralyzed, we're going to give him the name Joe. We're going to give the guy who, who kind of takes the lead here in the story. We're going to call him Charlie. So there's Jesus, Charlie, the guy who goes to the paralyzed guy. And, and then there's Joe. Joe's the, the paralyzed guy. And what happened was this. Charlie had heard that Jesus was in Capernaum preaching and teaching. Joe, Charlie had probably heard about miracles. Probably Joe had, or Charlie had heard about the signs and wonders. And somehow he just thought if he could get Joe to Jesus, that Jesus could help Joe because Jesus had helped a lot of other folks. And Jesus was always helping folks. And if he brought Joe to Jesus, Jesus would help his buddy Joe. But Joe was on, you know, his paralytic bed. He couldn't move. He couldn't do nothing. So he had to get some help. So he went to his three buddies. We're not going to give them any names. The Bible doesn't give them names, so I'm not going to give them names. But he went to his three buddies. He said, guys, I got a great idea. You know Jesus is down here in Capernaum, right? I said, yeah, now we heard Jesus in Capernaum. Well, I got this great idea. You know our friend Joe. You're right. You know our friend Joe? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just think Jesus can do something. And guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Joe to Jesus. How are we going to do that? Well, we're just going to pick him up and carry him if we have to. But we're going to get Joe to Jesus. Oh, you got one guy who's going, now let me see if I got this right. We're going to take Joe to Jesus. Don't you love people who make something complicated out of something that's simple? Yeah, we're going to take Joe to Jesus. Come on, let's go. Well, exactly, how are we going to do it? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. So they went to Joe's house. Charlie sat down and said, hey, Joe, I got this great idea. Jesus is a Capernaum. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but he's an awesome teacher, prophet. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's the Messiah of Israel. I believe he's the Savior of the world, and I know he's going to do something. So what we're going to do, if it's okay with you, Joe, we're going to take you to where Jesus is. Since he is paralyzed, he can't say no. They just started to hit him up. Charlie's going, all right, now get that corner over there. Get that corner over here. Now, easy, easy. Now, and it's just a big old burlap, probably sheep. Best that I could figure it out. It wasn't a, a piece of plywood like us. It was just kind of a, a big, heavy blanket, probably much like an army blanket. Say, all right, now, easy. Now, lift him up now. Come on now. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to hurt Charlie. And they said, all right, now, where are we going? We're going out the door. What do you mean we're going out the door? We're going out that door. We're going down that road. We're going to take him to Jesus. He's on the other side of town. I don't care. I wish some of us had that attitude about getting people to Jesus, don't you? Some of it's the slightest little bit of inconvenience. We just bow out of the picture. Well, what are they going to say? Just take him to Jesus. What if they don't like me? Nobody likes you. Take him anyway. So now they're taking him down the, the street. Now let's say you're walking down the busy streets of Flat Rock, Brownstown. 
Rockwood, or Gibraltar. And you are seeing four guys carrying one guy who can't move. In our culture, we would go, kidnappy 911. But what they did is they kept going. I'm sure they heard whispers. And by the way, the day you stop hearing the whispers will be the day where Jesus matters more to you than anything else. I'm going to tell you, people are always going to whisper. Amen? Amen? People are always going... It hurts a little bit more when it's church folk. I want a t-shirt that says, I survived church folk. Amen? <laughs> it does hurt a little more when it comes from church folk. Now, I didn't say Christian folk. I said church folk. Somebody asked me one time, says, are you one of those narrow-minded preachers think your group's the only group going to heaven? I said, no, ma'am. I don't think all my group's going. <laughs> you can think about that later. Charlie's taking junk. You got, does he think I'm going? No. Listen to the message. So now they're taking Charlie. Charlie and his merry band of three men are taking Joe, and they bring him. And now there's the house where Jesus is. But remember, the house is packed out. I mean, they're packed out. They're out the door, and, and they're hanging out the window. They're out by the back sliding door. I mean, they're filtered into the garage. I mean, they're everywhere. And, 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 and Charlie and his group, they, they come to the door, and they, excuse me, excuse me, we, we want to take our friend in here to see, shh. The guy looks at Charlie, and shh. Jesus is teaching. Yeah, I know Jesus is teaching. See, this is my friend Charlie, or Joe, and he doesn't know Jesus, and, and we want to get Jesus. You don't understand. The master is teaching. Yeah, I know he's teaching. And quite honestly, I'm getting a little tired of you shushing me about this thing because I got my friend here, Joe, and the biggest thing Joe needs in his life is to get to Jesus. Hey, sometimes... And you might as well, amen, we get our own kind of idea how church ought to work. And if church don't work like we think it ought to work, then we're the very people who stand at the door going, shh, Jesus is teaching in there. I kind of think the church needs a little more commotion and, and a little more paraplegics brought into the place, don't you? So, man, they said, all right, come on, guys. We're going to go around the back. And the guys are going, what are we going to do? We'll go to the back door. They went to the back door. Same thing. Shh, Jesus is teaching. Charlie's pulling. What is with everybody? The main thing is to get Joe to Jesus. See, sometimes we as a church think that the main thing is coming in so that we, so that me can sing to God, so that me can have my favorite song sung, so that me can feel good sitting by the people that me likes. And that is not the purpose of church at all. The purpose of church is to bring glory to his name, but it is to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world so those who are paralyzed by sin so those who are dead and trespasses and sin can have new life eternal life through Jesus Christ man it's not about me so here they are and it says goes to the window he goes to the sliding door and finally they kind of go around back to the front of the house and here's where some of you would have done this well Charlie Probably the Eeyore of the bunch would have looked at 
Charlie and said, well, Charlie, it just must not be God's will. Guess we just need to take Joe home. See, I'm amazed at what it takes to stop us. And for a lot of us, if we get just a little pushback, if there's just a little pushback from Satan, or a little pushback from lost people, or a little pushback from church people, or a little pushback from life, we go, whoa, 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 no, must not be the will of God. Have you ever thought about just pushing back a little bit? See what happens? See, see the next thing that happens is not only does, does the we help you break the the hold that paralysis had on you. But man, when we get together, man, creativity just begins to unleash. Can you picture these guys? They're standing there. One guy's probably the late adopter. He's probably the the whiner. He's probably going, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And Charlie says, well, I'm just going to, let's just pray about it. So he gets down and you ever seen a prayer meeting outside of a guy's house before? He gets down and he starts to lick, you know, and the other guys are Assuming the position. He gets down and he starts to pray and he lifts his eyes up to heaven but he never says a word because he goes, guys, I got an idea. What do you think? Look, look, look. Where's everybody at? Where's everybody at? Well, they're at the door. They're at the windows. They're at the back door. They're all around there, two or three deep outside the house. Yes, but look around. Look up. Where are people not? Well, <laughs> nobody's on the roof. We wouldn't go on the roof, would we? Exactly. That's where we're going. Go get a rope. Go get an axe. Because in a, in a first century home in Palestine, it was covered by dirt. Underneath that was clay. And then underneath that was lath, which was kind of wooden that held up the clay and the wood and, and, and the dirt. On top of it, he says, go get the rope. Go get the axe. You want me to go get a rope? You want me to go get an axe? Go get a rope. Go get an axe. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're kidding. You're not Go get him. So they went, and they got him up to the side of the house. It was very slender, narrow steps that went to the top of the house so you can fix the house because leaking was, was a lot of issue. And so now they're, they're taking the, the blanket, and they're taking his bed. All right, now hold him up. Now, excuse me. We, we, we got to get to the, excuse me. We'll give you your seat back. Just let us, let us up. Said, what are you guys doing? None of your business. We're getting up the house here. And so, all right, now hold him up. Don't let him fall. And, and so now they're walking that tightrope, and they're just up there on the, on the edge. And all right, now don't let, we don't want him to fall now, for pity's sake. Get him up here now. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. People looking at them like they're crazy people. And I wonder who was really the crazy people that day. I, I wonder, well, we know Jesus wasn't a crazy person. And I really don't think the four guys were crazy. I think the crazy people were the people who were sitting around Jesus going, oh, this is so good, don't mess it up. Oh, it's so good, don't mess it up. It's so good, don't mess it up. I'm telling you, it's about to get messed up big time. So they got to the ceiling. They laid Joe down. One guy had the rope, the other guy had the axe. They all put Joe down. Charlie's looking. He's listening. Shh, shh. He's right here. Give me the axe. You're not. I am. You're not. I am. Give me the axe. He takes the axe, he starts to scrape the dirt away, reaches down, gets those clay tiles, pulls them up, 
gets that axe, you're not, I am. Dust is starting to fall, dirt starting to fall inside the house, starting to, start, and they hear like steps on top of the, they hear a little murmur, and so it's just like going on and on, and finally, he's got the axe, and he just goes, boom, and that whole, that whole ceiling probably just went, and dirt fell, debris of the clay fell, People started to see sunlight and the dust. You know how that's kind of like a cool thing? Just shining down through. All of a sudden, Jesus quit teaching. People started looking up, getting the dust and their stuff. And then people started going, what, what, what's going on up there? I mean, honestly, wouldn't it be absolutely cool if we were so packed that we had people in that door and out that door and hanging out that window, and they were, they were in the baptistry. I mean, they were all over the place, going down outside, in the lobby, out the lobby, out the double doors on this side, out the double doors right over. They were just packed that the only way somebody could get into Kirby was to bust through our roof. Now, I know what we would do. Somebody would get their cell phone out and go, 911. We got a problem here. Listen, the most important thing you can do in your life with your one life, the most important thing you can do is to bring somebody to Jesus. God is not impressed how much money you make. He's not impressed with the home you live in. But he is impressed how many people you influence to follow his son, Jesus Christ. So now they, they're tearing this thing out, man, and they, they're pulling the, the thing and stuff and debris just following everywhere. Jesus isn't saying a word. The people are griping and complaining. They're sending out a, a search party. Who are those guys up on the roof? Get those guys down from there. And Charlie's just going, all right, now. All right, put a little more, a little more over there. Pull that a little more over there. And this one guy on the roof is going, people think we're crazy. I don't care. We're going to take Joe. All right, now we're going to lower him down. All right, now they got... Show, and they got their four ropes and they're lowering him down. They're lowering him down. Easy now, Charlie said. We don't want to drop him now for pity's sake. And so they'd lower him down and they lower him until finally he gently, gracefully, paralytically, without strength, is dropped right at the feet of Jesus. And Joe because the only thing he could do is move his eyes. Looks into the eyes of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't looking at them. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible is in verse 5. Look at what it says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. He didn't say it in the singular. He didn't look down at Joe and say when he saw his faith. His faith was born by the four. He said when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the four guys who helped the one guy that was broken, when the four guys carried the one guy who couldn't walk on his own. When the four guys buried or bore one another and carried him to the presence of Jesus, Jesus said, <laughs> it's incredible. He said, your faith has impressed me. 
your faith. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And all of a sudden, on the rooftop, four guys are dancing all over the place, hugging each other. I'm telling you, you go home this afternoon, you see four guys on a roof hugging one another, you're going to tell somebody about it. You're going to tweet that baby. You're going to Facebook that thing. I mean, you're going to take pictures of it. And all of a sudden, they are rejoicing. They are celebrating. And Joe, all of a sudden, feels life come into his fingers. He feels strength come into his arms, and he plants it on the floor. And he realizes he's healed. More than being healed, he realizes his sins that have separated from him from a holy God had now been forgiven by the only way that God says is permissible, and that is through Jesus Christ. He puts his leg down, and he stands up, woo He grabs his blanket, and now the guy that nobody would let in makes an aisle way as he runs out the door. Listen, there is power when we come together, when we stand in Jesus' name. So you have a choice. You can keep on leading a life of quiet desperation, or you can step up to a faith-enhancing experience and get involved in the lives of others by going to where they are, by getting involved, by going deeper than just surface relationships, by getting connected to a group so you have the privilege of being ministered to by others who can do for you what you cannot do for yourself so that you have the privilege of ministry so that you could do for them what they cannot do for themselves. What an incredible story in Mark chapter 2. Now you may be here today and you may be like Joe. You have no spiritual strength. Man, life is about to swallow you up. You have no hope of heaven And man, I would just like to tell you real quick, because we, the church, would like to be the people that help you come to Jesus today. You've heard people sing, teach to your children, take care of them in tot spot, welcome you and greet you. Now can I just tell you what you need to do? The Bible just tells us that a relationship with God comes through Jesus Christ, his son, And you have that relationship with him when you confess your sins. You simply tell Jesus you're sorry for your sins. And you declare your intention to have an eternal relationship with him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And somebody invited you here and you're here. And maybe maybe you didn't quite expect this all to happen this way, but it did and... So here this morning, if you need Jesus Christ in your heart, would you write where you sit? Would you pray this simple prayer? It's a simple prayer, but man, it is a prayer that takes you out of me and drops you into we. It is a prayer that says that you're sorry for your sins and that for the rest of your days, you intend to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You may not know how to right now, 
But that's okay. That's what we love to do here in the church is help you. So here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I don't understand it all. But I'm committed to you. Man, if you prayed that prayer today after the service, I'm going to be right here in the front. I would love to talk with you. Now, would everybody look this way? If you are a Christian and you are staying in the me realm of life, that's unbiblical. Man, there's no fun in that. Let me tell you a couple of ways how you can get involved. After the service, come and see Shane and Kim and let them get your information. They'll keep you in the loop on what's going on with the Appalachian Mission Trip in December. This Thursday night, we're having a Costa Rica meeting trip. We got like 25 going. We got room for more. And whatever time the bulletin says it starts, that's when it'll start, so you come. Friday night is the movie Courageous. And we've seen, you've seen the trailers that's been in the bulletin. I think the tickets are five bucks and the times it's Friday night, seven, I think, MJR. Take a friend. Take a Joe. Take a Joe. And bring him. Bring him. Take him out to eat afterwards. Talk about the movie, what they thought, how they liked it. Anything kind of stuck out to them. Engage. You say, well, yeah, it's kind of a lot there, isn't it, preacher? Yeah. But I'm telling you, those four guys who got involved had a view that nobody else in the room had. When Joe and Jesus connected. So my challenge is, get involved. You have one life. One life. I don't know if that life will extend to 75, 80, 90 years. I don't know if your life will extend only to 22 or 32 years. I'm just simply saying you have one life. And God has given you gifts and talents and resources. Do something that will matter in eternity. Would you stand to your feet and bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to say the prayer on the offering. That fellows are going to come forward. Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the privilege.